On this edition of Orlando Magic Pod Squad, we catch up with Magic Big Man Mo Wagner. And of course, Magic Pod Squad brought to you by the Florida Department of Transportation reminds you that fans don't let fans drive drunk. If you've been drinking, don't get behind the wheel. Instead, find a sober driver or catch a ride service. Remember, drive sober or get pulled over. Have a great night and drive safe. Oh, we cover absolutely everything with the Magic Big Man, including his terrific year, his breakout season in the NBA. The unbelievable job he did filling in in the absence of Wendell Carter Jr., his role now moving forward, how much he's grown here in the NBA. We get into his suspension and what happened there in Detroit and ultimately who's at fault for that particular incident and then his brother Franz what he sees from his brother Franz finishing things in the fourth quarter and the development he's made here this season and then you're going to be pretty excited hearing what he thinks this team can accomplish this year all that coming your way right now on Magic Pod Squad with Mo Wagner this is Fonz Wagner of the Orlando Magic. This is Cole Anthony. This is Jalen Suggs. This is Paolo Bancaro of the Orlando Magic. And you're listening to the Pod Squad. And welcome, everyone, to another edition of Orlando Magic Pod Squad. Dante Marcatelli, George Galante, and Magic big man Mo Wagner, kind enough to join us. Mo, this is great. You got four days off after being on the West Coast road trip for 12 days. And still, we were able to convince you to do a show with us. I have to think. You have much better things to do, but I appreciate your time. Well, we'll just uh, connect the two, you know? It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Mo, now, hold on. Now, for, for anybody that's watching this, you're in you're in the, your car, in the back of the car, which is good, so you're not driving. Do, should I go out to my car, guys? Like, you guys seem like so. you, you're in a hurry to go somewhere. Everybody's on the road. Everybody's doing doing things from the road. What's happening here? Um, well, that's part of being having an off day, you know? You're on the move. I'm not sure what my mom is doing here, driving the car, but uh, <laughs> I'm in her back. Better safe than sorry. Well, now, we can't we we can't assure everybody that you're not driving. So that's so that's the big yes. part. And Listen, Dante's Mo, this not is, driving, so that's good. And I'm not driving either. Mo, this is uh, this is not normal in the middle of a season to have yeah. four days off like this. I know you'll have practice coming up, but what are you doing? What do you, what do you get a chance to do with a little downtime here? Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, the, the, the one thing that's a little problematic was the, the road trip, right? Um, you come back from Denver. It's a long, long day of traveling. So it doesn't really feel like an off day. Uh, and changing coast is always a big deal, even though even if you had a day in between. So um, for us, it's really good to kind of settle in after a 12-day road trip and uh, to enjoy some time at home. Now I know I know you were tossing around going to the beach even today, like to 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 just relax. How good is it in the middle of January to play for a team where you could just hop in your car and go to the beach? That's you could right. you couldn't do this uh, up in Michigan or DC or probably twenty seven of the other thirty teams. You probably couldn't do this. Yeah, no, it's an it's an it's a luxury, and uh, I always stress that we should take advantage of it because obviously I've been in positions where that's not the case, so. I want to make the best out of the situation you have in front of you. Uh, and so we're trying to embrace it as much as, as we can um, and make the, I mean, it's like a, not even an hour car drive to go out there to feel some sand in between your toes. So it, it's really fun. Dante, we're going to send this have- to the Chamber of Commerce when we're done. We'll, we'll send this yes. right to the city. Yep. <laughs> tourism, right to the tourism. <laughs> That's right. Hey, so some people like going on road trips. Some people don't. 12 days is a long time, Mo. Do you, did you pack what you needed? Did, it, did you have everything you needed for those 12 days? I wouldn't consider myself the best packer. 
uh, I'm a chronic overpacker, but this time I think I kind of, uh, I did a good job. Um, uh, but I will say after a week, that's kind of my threshold where I'm getting impatient and trying to get home. Okay. Um, you get used to it, but uh, after seven days, it kind of clicks into a, into a mode of, I finally want to sleep in my own bed again. Yeah. You get angry, right? Like when I'm on the road for that long, I find, and I'm not even playing, I'm sitting around watching you guys do your thing, but I'm the same way. I would say after seven or eight days, just like you wake up and you're just not, you're just not happy because you're not home. Like you're just angry. Well, the biggest challenge to me is that when you're on the road, everything is just basketball because you're just in a hotel room and then you play and you have practice. And I think the biggest challenge is to kind of embrace the time off the court and find things on the road to do that don't have to do with basketball to keep your mind fresh uh, and engaged uh, when it gets to perform, when it gets to the point of playing basketball. So that's the biggest challenge when you're on the road for 12 days that you got to find other things. And sometimes that gets hard in Denver or Utah when cities you don't know anyone. So um, that's a challenge sometimes, but uh, the older I get, the more I embrace that and uh, damn myself things well, what did you do then what did you get into because you had two days off in utah yeah. which is which is ironic a day off in denver were, were you able to find That's some things nice. well my biggest my biggest advantage is that i have family on the road all the time so um sometimes i have to mobilize the little one to to kind of join me on my activities but we go walks in utah we kind of uh went on a, a mini hike i would say uh, through a canyon that was pretty cool but then it's also you can't do too much because you're tired too right so it's like it's like right. a little in between gray area that you gotta hit and um, spending time together makes a big difference because uh, it gets lonely on the road I think we all know that that's true so you yep. so you drag you drag you drag Franz with you wherever you go if you if you have things to do or, or how does that work well I always ask him um and sometimes he asked me actually too so i think we've created a pretty pretty healthy culture of keeping each other accountable that we're not always in our four walls and um we're going walks or we go out to eat uh even though we could eat at the hotel and stuff like that just to get out of the hotel a little bit now george i don't know if you know this but we had vince carter doing a couple of games and he does Mm -hmm. his vince sanity scale so right. we did a broadcast where we had two Mo Wagner dunks, right? He I came saw right it. Down, yep. One one was on his good friend Ivatsa Zubats, right? A good friend of his that that he embarrassed greatly on national TV, and <laughs> then and then another. So I, I know you were getting a kick out of that Mo that Vince Carter would be grading your dunks, and I don't know if you know, but he gave you an eight and he gave you a nine. So you got an eight and a nine from Vince Carter, right? You'll take that. Yeah, I mean that's incredible to be. Uh, first of all, I'm like. <laughs> The craziest thing to me in the NBA, and I've been part of some great or I had some great teammates in my career, but like the craziest thing is that, that, that people just walk around casually that you've seen on TV when you were growing up and they're kind of these heroes and right. these, these these players in a far away world. And now all of a sudden they sit on your broadcast and rate your dunks. So that's pretty <laughs> surreal. Uh, and Vince Carter is obviously one of them. Uh, I think one of the players that's, very well respected, very well recognized all over the world. So, um, and obviously as a dunker, incredible. Um, so the fact that he's on our broadcast, it's cool to get to meet him and, and he rates my dunks. 
Uh, it's pretty cool, too. I, I don't know if that's a nine, though. I don't know if I could ever qualify for for a nine in a dunk, but I'll take it. I won't say no. Vince is a generous score, a scorer, right? Dante, that's right. Yeah, right. He's very generous, generous with his numbers. But so who else have you felt like that when you've had these encounters, Mo? Who, who yeah. else have you had a similar interaction with where you're looking? You're like, holy crap, I can't believe I'm talking to who? Who a bunch of guys. I mean, obviously, every other night you play guys like, I mean, I was obviously teammates with LeBron James, so it started pretty early and to kind of see the magnitude of even when we were on the road to see how many people were kind of, um, yeah, fascinated by one personality. Um, it's, it's pretty amazing to watch. And uh, in D.C. with Bradley Beal, John Wall, like those guys, I watched player series of those guys growing up, you know. Um, Dirk, obviously, who I have a relationship with, understanding, like, what's happening it's it's pretty crazy like uh vince carr is a great example uh who's another good another great example sometimes like you get get, get to talk to people like doris burke uh that yeah. you've been listening and watching for years too and they're in this world as well you know and uh they make you starstruck too like not even the players sometimes it's the people around so um stuff like that is uh, makes you realize you really uh you really uh, arrived in this world that's great insight. You know, I want to get your thoughts, Mo. Let's go on, on the floor a little bit. Uh, you guys obviously got hit so with so many injuries, um, but you did a great job stepping in. I, I think about 15.7 rebounds a game starting. But, George, the best part was I asked him at halftime about the lift he was giving his team, and he said, that's great, but I don't care about the numbers. <laughs> I don't care about the numbers that you just <laughs> mentioned. You have to play hard. You have to play hard, and you have to believe that you can win. And it was – Halftime of the Clipper game, Mo, and you guys won 11 out of 16 after that, right? So just uh, what, what clicked? What clicked right around that time where you guys kind of caught fire for a little bit there? Well, I think uh, it's funny, right, because you work really hard, and I always talk about translating um, because sometimes your work doesn't show and doesn't translate yep. into wins right away, uh, but you're still getting somewhere. And I think after that Milwaukee game, I remember we played really well against Milwaukee and lost um, right. and you can work really hard and I think we were at that point of for a long time where we worked really hard and we were right there but still kept losing and I think there's this one missing piece and I remember coach Mosley had a practice right after a Milwaukee game where he said don't mistake being close to actually getting wins those are two different things and there's a missing piece that you have to come up with and I think it has a lot to do with belief um that you, that you really, yeah, that, that, that's got to come out of yourself, that you want to win and that you need to do the right things at the right time in order to win. Um, and that's kind of what I meant by that, 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 that you got to find that belief within yourself. Your coach is going to provide you with all the resources and you just got to do it as a team. Uh, and then the numbers really don't matter because if, if the team wins, everybody wins. But I think, But I think what's interesting to me about that, Mo, is – I assume outwardly, and I think fans assume outwardly, that every time every NBA player takes the floor, they believe they're going to win, and they believe they're going to win big, right? Is that I, – I don't say that's not the case, but what, does, not everybody, does everybody not already have that belief, or can it come and go throughout the course of a season? Well, the challenge is – the challenge is, especially if you're in one of these 
I mean, I wouldn't say I stay away from the world word rebuilding teams, but I mean, we are a very sure. young team that that sure. your goal is long term. So you're not trying to get caught up in your short term results too much. And there's an interesting gray area of where you still got to compete in order to win. But if you lose, you can't have the mindset of all hell breaks loose and you can't you got to still come in the next day and keep working and every day matters. So sometimes it's very difficult not to get caught up in, oh, wait, wait, losses don't matter, if you know what I mean. Right. So, like, that's right. a little gray area of still competing and not giving up if you still lose. That's, that's I think that's very, very challenging uh, in young teams. And, uh, yeah, something you have to deal with. Now, Mo, do you prepare any knowing that you're going to start? Do you have any different ways that you prepare for a game as opposed to when you know you're not going to be starting in that night? Um, I mean, I think from a strategy standpoint, it's a little different because you're obviously playing with different players. So, like, there are other things that are important when I play with Markel than I play with Cole Anthony. Um, so those those are those are important. But then also, I think. Just from a preparation standpoint, you play a lot earlier. So, like, you don't have those 20 minutes of settling into the game and the atmosphere. Um, you got to be ready right away. So, uh, I do think that from your mental perspective, you got to be locked in quicker and uh, kind of get your routine going a little earlier than if you were to come from the bench. But those are things that you figure out within two or three games pretty quickly. You know, it's interesting. We're real careful on the broadcast because we, we love the fire that you play with and the passion. You always have that. But it's important for fans to know and everybody like you, you know, you're but you're producing. It's not you're not just coming out there and screaming and this and that you, you produce it. You're a big part of this thing. And you being a starter is a big reason the team had success. So how much do you attribute the fact that you did produce when your number was called? You stepped in, you helped your team have success. Yeah, I mean. Obviously, that matters. I'm, I'm, I, think, I think producing to me only matters when it translates into winning um, right, because right. Uh, it's something completely different. Um, I don't really try to get caught up in that, into that too much. But uh, I think you're right. I mean, for me as a player, I, I work really hard and I have always worked really hard. So uh, I don't want to pe say people just say, yeah, he's an energy guy and rah-rahs all the exactly. time. And that's it. Like, exactly. obviously, you want to be recognized for your game as well. Um, so that does make me a little happy that, that that's uh, apparent. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I, I'm not really trying to get caught up in that too much, to be honest with you. Sure. But with that being said, I got to ask you, you look like Kevin McHale the last couple of games. The post moves. You've always had, <laughs> you've always had, you've always had the post moves. You've always had the up and under. But it was off the charts the last two games. What, what, did you get some extra post work in? What happened there? <laughs> I mean, it's it's uh, it's a good question. I think, it, it, like I just said, it's a lot different than with the first lineup um, because I think it's a lot more random and unpredictable basketball that we play with that second lineup. So sometimes the play breaks down um, and uh, you just got to make something happen yourself. Um, but that just kind of happens in the flow of the game. It's not like a mentality thing where you force stuff and, uh Yeah. I guess in the altitude, the footwork works better. I don't know. 
<laughs> we we gotta get we gotta get you back in that. Yeah, we gotta need the altitude. Yeah. That's what it is. So we need well, some altitude in Orlando. He's been yeah, in that. He's we, been in that altitude chamber at the training center with a basket. That's what it was. I like it. That's Very what nice. it was. I haven't seen the altitude chamber in work, so maybe that's maybe that's what's going on. Mo, how nice is it for you? Uh, you know, before you got to Orlando, you know, you were you were in D.C. and then you got traded to Boston and then you got traded to, you know, like things were a little tumultuous in your life with a couple of moves. How nice is it to to maybe feel like you've been a little settled down now here with the magic? Well, I think I'm very grateful for those experiences because it gets it gets me to a point where I appreciate the day to day life stuff really like a lot more the fact that I can just uh, go to a practice facility and be excited to see everybody there with a, with a peace of mind, you know, um, that's, everybody, that's there's, that not, there's not one or there's not one or two guys that annoy you. Well, I'm not gonna lie. Eventually okay. sometimes someone will annoy me, right, but right. you know, who that happens in normal human interaction. Um, of course. I think he's getting at me, but that's okay. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. It's random. It's random. Um, no, but I, I get to appreciate that a lot more now because I, I know it's going to be taken away pretty quickly and nothing is guaranteed in this business. Um, so, yeah, I invest in that a lot um, and that, in that enjoying how and obviously it's a great place, Orlando, uh, and I can share it with my family on a whole nother level. So I consider myself very, very blessed and um, enjoy it every day. So, so speaking of your family, like let let's talk about Franz if we can for a minute. I want how many times have you voted for him for the All Star team? You're supposed to be voting every day. Yes, every you can day vote for yourself yeah, and your brother. I mean, you, you that's can. That's why doing I was this. a minute late because I was voting. That's why I was a little late. <laughs> that, that was the delay. No problem. No problem. <laughs> but what about the what about the, the 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 step that he's taken Mo so far in his second year in the league? He's averaging more than twenty a game. He's been very consistent throughout the season. Talk about your brother and, and his improvements just from his rookie year to now. Well, he can pass a little more. Other than that, I'm very um, <laughs> excited. I'm very, no, I'm just kidding. Um, obviously, so selfish. So always, selfish. Yeah, he's very selfish, but that's okay. That's, it kind of comes with the territory. When things get easy, you know, then right. you just think you can do it all. So, no, right. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Obviously, as a big brother, sometimes I got to take a step back a little bit and because it becomes overwhelming at times, you know, um, uh, it's pretty impressive. And I kind of take my big brother glasses off during the game because I want to keep those relationships separate. Um, but it's obviously very impressive, especially when you, when you get another high caliber player like Paolo in, into the mix that it has the ball a lot. And that's, that creates a challenge for someone who already now is on the scouting report um, and to make the next step that next year, uh, with, yeah, more players to get attention is uh, is not easy. So, um, yeah, I've, I've obviously I know how hard he works. I know what great of a, what great kid uh, what great of a kid he is. Uh, even though sometimes he annoys me, but that's part of the <laughs> uh, brotherhood. And uh, I'm very happy for him, and I'm excited to see see where he goes. You know, you've seen the numbers in the fourth quarter. He takes over in the fourth quarter, and he's on a list with some incredible names. Does yeah, he just pass? 
does it just pass less in the fourth quarter or is there more <laughs> does, is he is he able to get it to another gear what what is it about when a game's on the line and you need a big basket that he feels comfortable in that moment yeah, that's a good question what is it about the fourth quarter i don't really know um maybe he wakes up when he has a bad game and then in the fourth quarter he's like nah i gotta turn this up a little bit but no I mean obviously I was I couldn't I wasn't there against I think it was against Memphis but games like that where he seemingly struggled the first three quarters and then he hits another gear um because we've all been there where you struggle and then to say f that I'll I'll figure it out now um that's something that's that's very mature for his age and um that's very impressive to observe obviously um, and I think there's a there's a common trust too in the team and the staff um, to give them the ball in the situations that matter, uh, like for example against Portland. Um, so th- those situations, yeah, as Big Brother, that's that's pretty cool to watch. You mentioned not being there for Memphis. Um, we went to great lengths to blame Caleb Houston for the whole thing on the broadcast. No, for sure. That, <laughs> yeah. If that right is that is that kind of is that kind of where you're at on the whole thing? No, one hundred percent. It's all Caleb's fault. I don't take any responsibility for that. Um, no, I mean, listen. Uh, I was uh, these things. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say that these things happened. I was extremely embarrassed after the whole thing um, because you never want to be uh, getting attention for that type of stuff. Um, obviously, I also understand that you are what you do. Uh, and your intention doesn't matter in that point because uh, it, it happened. What happened happens. Um, but um, everybody who knows me knows that that wasn't my intention. I felt bad too because um, I'm over it now. But at that point, it kind of seemed like it was taking attention away of what we were building, um, uh, and we were kind of on a roll. And I hated to be uh, responsible for taking some of that momentum away. But I think uh, we kind of passed that whole thing now and moving on and um obviously for me i don't want to be in uh, any of those situations ever again it was very embarrassing um and i feel bad that that occurred well you have moved on and i and i think it's amazing the team has rallied and is there a feeling now just a little less than half the season left you can get fully healthy right you've got wendell back maybe jonathan isaac's going to join you at some point you got markel right as you continue to get healthy you guys are right there in the mix. I mean, everybody's talking about a playoff push. I imagine that would be a lot of fun to be a part of down the stretch. 100%. Winning makes so much stuff easier. Um, and even being able and or having the confidence and even that you, if you lose one or two games, that you're still in the mix for winning the next two or three games. Like, that you're able to respond regardless of who you're playing. I think that's a confidence that we've gained now that is very important when you, when you talk about a team that wants to go somewhere. So that's something um, that I'm very proud of with this team that we kind of found a way that even if we lose, like in Sacramento, we find a way to answer and come back yes. and respond as a, as a group. So um, of course uh, we, in the, in the back of our head, I think that's very present to know that we mm-hmm. mix, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, we'll be in the gym tomorrow. And then the day after that and the day after that, and that's what really matters. And the rest will happen. So but how, Mo, though, how important you, you mentioned that, you, you know, we're a young team. You, you've said that a couple of times, but how important would getting into just say the play in game, how important would that be for this group's 
development, especially for, a, I would say, I haven't even, this is just off the top of my head. I would say 75%, at least of the roster has never been to any part of the playoffs, right? whether it be playing well, and real or quick, season. Before you get into that, George, I think what endeared Mo to everybody was when he first got here, the end of that season, when we won a big game at home and he, and you sat there and did the post-game interview and said, it's okay to win too. Like we can, <laughs> we, I know, I know we're going through a process, but it's okay to get some wins too. And I thought that was great. That's right. Right. George, that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah. The mentality, like this yeah. would be great. Well, well, yeah, like this is exactly, obviously I talk about you young team, but when I speak like that, it's, it's from a neutral perspective with you guys. When, when we're on the court in, in practice um, as a player, and I think everybody feels like, or I know everybody feels like that, it's F that, you know? We're not rebuilding. Like, we're competitors. We want to win. Um, and I think that's how you got to approach every day. And, um, of course, you want to win. Like, that, that, that kind of feeds you. Uh, if you win, working is easier. And the next day, it becomes easier. And the chemistry is better. So and it's, everything is a lot more fun. So, um, like you said, George, I think, making a playing game or the playoffs, whatever it is, would be a huge, or at least being the hunt for it is a, is a very valuable experience for every team, especially a team that's trying to organically grow as a young group. Um, and uh, even though we don't really talk about it, I think it's very, everybody's very aware um, that that's a possibility and a huge opportunity. You know, I share, I share a lot of the, I feel when I'm doing these podcasts with Dante, I'm usually like, yeah, F that Dante. Like we correct the yeah. heck that that's, yeah. Yeah. Correct. I'm, trying not exactly to, right. I'm trying to work on my reputation, so I'm not going to. Good. But, <laughs> Good. Um, so, yeah, but as a, as a competitor, that's exactly how it is. I mean, you, you have to have that mentality in order to be successful. That's what I mean with belief too. You know, like when you talk about young sure. teams, that almost sounds like an excuse sometimes. So, um, Young teams can be good too. I like I love it. that exactly I like right. It. And young players can be good too. What's your vantage point on Paulo? I mean, it, it took it was very early into his career where I think everybody thought, "Oh boy, th this guy's going to be pretty good." What, what's your vantage point on Paulo? Yeah, I think the most obviously he's incredible. What he does on the court, uh, extremely skilled and physically gifted, and uh, even now, obviously he. I think he probably takes the most shots in our team and he's on top of the scouting report and he finds ways to finds ways to go to the free throw line, finds ways to produce even on less efficient nights. I think the most impressive thing about him, though, is that his demeanor about the game and his focus that he kind of brings into the locker room, which is not normal for a young guy like that. Right. To be mentally that locked in and care as much about the day-to-day -day process and every game and every piece of work that he puts in is, is pretty impressive for a 20-year-old. And um, to observe that as someone who's been in the league for five years, is uh, sometimes I'm like, yo, that's insane. I got to lock in now because I see Paolo over there uh, focusing on the game. So it's, it, that's, that's a demeanor that he adds to the locker room that I think is very valuable um, on top of to what he does in the court, obviously. We've not seen him smile. Does he smile? Has he? Have you ever seen him laugh? Uh, he's a funny guy. He's a he's a very funny guy. He doesn't really smile a lot on the court. That is correct because he's, he's very focused. But no, he's a very funny funny dude and says some says some crazy stuff too sometimes. That's good. That's good.
That's good. Hey, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't revisit some. I did a couple of Lakeland Magic games, right? And I'm down there with Xavier Simpson, right? And you start looking at, you st- first of all, can you explain to me why that guy's not in the NBA? Captain Hook. I mean, that is that is an impressive, talented point guard. In due time, it matter. it's a matter of time. Um, one of the hardest workers that I've ever met to a point where it's sick. I mean, uh, where you literally got to force him to stop. Um, and, and a great kid as well that I've enjoyed a couple of years in college with and uh, really enjoyed my time with him. And he's a winner, man. He wants to win. Um, and uh, he plays like a winner. So, uh, yeah, I love X. But the guys that you had, that you played with, the guys that came after you, there's a lot of talent that's come through Michigan. I mean, how do you – is that the recruiting process? Is it what, what, what goes into getting the players that you've had and, and all the great talent that's come through Michigan? That's a good question, Dante. I mean, I, I, I will say, um, I will say that I don't know. I mean, I think it's, I guess it's just a culture. It's always difficult to talk about these things because when I say these things, I don't want to say that in different universities and different programs, it's not like that. So sure, sure. Um, just, uh, before I say anything about that, but like the Michigan thing, I think back when I was there and I can only speak for my era, obviously it changed a little bit now. Uh, it was, it was a great culture. And I think that kind of obviously with John continued, um, from what I've heard and feel from France. So, um, there was a great culture in that locker room around that program that everybody did his work, uh, worked really hard and enjoyed being together and held each other accountable. And that was something obviously translates and I think Beeline was incredible at recruiting guys that maybe weren't on the radar at first um, but uh, had incredible potential and maybe weren't physically on a level yet to compete but uh, kind of saw their potential in the long-term future and um, kind of knew what he was doing I guess so um, it's cool to see guys like Duncan Robinson X uh, I mean we have so many players man we carries the verd um, so it, it's pretty cool to watch them and uh, be consistent in what they do. Mo, what drew you there, though, from Germany? I mean, it's not like you were a kid growing up in Saginaw or Detroit. I mean, what, what drew right, you right. to Michigan from overseas? Well, I always wanted to go to college. Um, and back then, that wasn't really what you were doing in Europe. So, um nobody had ever gone to college and then straight to the NBA from there. So uh, it was kind of a risky step and I really didn't have any offers except for Michigan either. So to me, um, it was either Michigan or stay at home. And again, Beeline kind of invested in me. And uh, yeah, I think at first he thought I'm not going to play much, which I did in my first year. And I needed that one and a half years to really develop on a physical level. Uh, to compete here. Um, and he kind of, yeah, he kind of predicted that or he helped me out a great deal. And, uh, but back then it wasn't like a surefire decision to just say, yeah, you go from Berlin, you go to college and then it's all going to work out to the NBA because you never know what happens in the universities. You know, it's so far away. Maybe they'll just put you under the rim and tell you rebounder and screen setter. And really, yeah, I'm very happy that I made that decision, obviously. Um, look like a genius now, but back then it wasn't <laughs> as surefire. Uh, sure, sure. All right, last thing, Mo, and then we'll let was. you get out of here. We we know you're going to the beach. When I go to the beach, I 
I have a short attention span. I've got to be up doing things. I've got, my wife can lay there for four hours and not move. What do you do? What's your routine at the beach? I would, I wouldn't say it's a little different. I think here in the Florida beaches than when you go to a beach in California or Turkish and Caicos, I think here is more about breaking the rhythm of the daily life and kind of feel some sand in between your toes and do something else other than just hanging at the house. Uh, sure. And see the ocean. So I don't plan on being there longer than two hours. Uh, maybe go on a little walk, get some sun, um, and then turn around and go back home. But uh, when I'm on vacation, I have a pretty good, I would say I have a pretty good, con- I'm pretty well conditioned to be lying there for a while. So uh, <laughs> there you go. There you go. I can, well, I'll I take your word on sure. I'll take your word on Turks and Caicos. Never been there, but that sounds like an amazing place. <laughs> all right. Hey, man, we, re- we really appreciate them all. This has been great. I know Magic fans always love hearing from you, and it's always fun for us to catch up. So thanks so much, and keep up the great work, okay? Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. Sunscreen, Mo. Put on some sunscreen. Sunscreen. Get some sunscreen. <laughs> My mom brought some. No worries. <laughs> Perfect. That'll do it for this edition of Magic Pod Squad. Thanks.